comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No internet, no GPS, no text messages, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Podcast episode 295. I almost said Fear the Walking Dead TV podcast, but we can't even say that anymore because there's two shows now, so it's not yeah. even like we can just switch one to the other. Anyway, oh, it's, the, it's, the fear, it's the Fear the Walking Dead World Beyond podcast. That would have been smarter for me to say at the beginning. Thank you, Aaron. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here today. Let's work this you're out welcome. next time. Live, live Moss. Yes. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Those other voices you hear are Richard Sheldon, Jim Dietz, and Daryl Taylor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Captain Curran. Dr. Curran. I was just going to say, Dr. Curran showed up today. Yes, I am. He was supposed to be late, but he actually... Stop following him on Twitter, you must. Yes. I changed things just so I could be here today, everybody. We're, we are privileged, sir. Uh, well, I don't think we have any news. Does anybody have any news? Not that I saw. Uh, I feel Did like somebody awesome. win something. Oh no, not win something. What one of the showrunners is on? Fifty most influential uh, people is Angela Kang, showrunner. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's yeah, cool. That's awesome. That's all I really saw though. As far as news. Yeah, yeah, it's been. Usually, when we're kind of in the middle of the of the show, there's not a whole lot of news. Yeah. Um, going on, so I think as as we get towards, I think as we get towards the end of this run of of episodes, and they're gearing up the uh, end of the season ten episodes that they're filming now, we'll probably get some more stuff, maybe a little teaser trailer or something like that going on. But uh, with Fear the Walking Dead season six episode three, Alaska, these one word titles always intrigue. Me. Yes, always intrigue me. Um, so we start the episode kind of kind of following off of the previous episode, um, actually the the first episode really, um, where we we see Morgan and Morgan, <laughs> and he's he's still recovering. More our Morgan is, and right. uh, he, we got a haircut. To... Yes, he trimmed off his beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now is he now? Wait a minute. He said Morgan Jones was dead. We're dealing with somebody else now. That was when he had the long beard and everything. Not at all. That's gone. Is it Morgan Jones again, or is it still the new guy? I don't know. It's a good question. I'm let's confused. just let's just call him the new guy. Let's call I mean, him DJ DJ Qualls. Like later, he gets <laughs> he, later he gets the sweet like uh, hybrid weapon thing going on. But he has some supplies uh, for the the baby Morgan, and has some preserves, and says he has some somebody from an insider, a trusted insider. So 
uh, intrigued. Uh, now we all we all think he means Daniel, right? Uh, After the end probably? of last episode, I would, that's who I assumed he was talking. Yeah, I I would think so. Or but... I mean, I guess he could have another mole on the inside, but I mean, Daniel seemed to be the obvious choice to me as to who he was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be curious because Daniel doesn't seem like he gets a lot of like free time and a lot of slack time, so it might be a no. little more difficult for him. But then to... again, people are gonna because they think he's you know, mentally enfeebled or whatever. They probably don't uh, watch him as much. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, no, that's so, true. So like, like I mean, they have their eyes on Strand and those guys all the time, but because but Daniel, I think, can move pretty freely. You know, among the among the Ginny camp or whatever. Yeah, I would think if it, like it, it would have to be like a like a June or somebody like that, you know, that, um, but we shall see. Um, and then, yeah, we get that little montage kind of scene where he takes his old stick. Going strong now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> makes a sweet little workbench with the, you know, with the, with the little vice things on there and, right. uh, cuts the tip off and trims it down and, um, he fashions the the axe that he got from from that from the guy in the first episode. Emil. And, yes. <laughs> and uh, makes him a sweet pole axe. So it's like uh, this is this is like new new Morgan, right? That's um, right. <laughs> no, it's not Morgan Jones. He's dead. We're dealing with somebody else now. How many times yeah. do you have to tell you? I know. Well, and he makes Come a point of saying like I've had to reinvent myself sixteen different times, and so right. <laughs> I I thought it was pretty. I thought it was actually kind of clever that they recognize the fact that like Morgan has like changed over time to be, you know, just all these different taking on different personas. And then this is like the latest incarnation of, of who Morgan needs to be to get through, you know, whatever. I'm every Morgan. It's (laughs) all in me. Let's just call him MJ. Okay. That could be the new name for before. Oh, anyway, I thought, I thought it was a cool acknowledgement. That they they didn't just just uh oh for sure yeah that they're self aware to some yes. degree yes uh, we didn't mention this episode directed by Coleman Domingo ah this is the th- second episode or third episode he's directed I wouldn't be surprised if it's third but I want to say second yeah I think it's I know for sure yeah he's yeah written by Mallory Westfall by the way just to put credit where credits due um, he's directed three episodes he did one four five and six he did one each season. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I I I thought it was this was the third. Good on him. Um, he's. I mean, just as a small aside, like, no. you know, some of these that Walking Dead actors don't do a whole lot outside the show. Golden Domingo's been getting around. He's like starring in movies. He's directing now. Yeah, yeah. he still lets to, he still oh, gets yeah. to do this show. Like whatever balance, and he has what his like cocktail hour, or whatever he has on AMC, like. No, he's I mean, uh, he's no making offense, it work for him. Well, I mean, no offense to the rest of the cast, but Coleman Domingo is a very talented actor. I mean, no, I, no doubt. I mean, you yeah. say the same thing about Lenny James. He's on other shows and you know, other you know, movies and things all the time. Yeah. Like but, he tried uh, to create a Walking Dead universe through Low Winter Sun, and it just didn't work out, obviously. Because <laughs> yeah, <it was> yeah. <laughs> but and, and the, by by having Mark Strong in it, tying it to the Kickass universe and the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds. Oh my God, it's a conspiracy. Oh, yeah. I just made my, my head hurt. I'm sorry. Please continue. I, I could see, just based on w- interviews with Coleman Domingo, and uh, I watched, I, you know, I, I'm very on again, off again when it comes to Talking Dead, but I did watch the Talking Dead episode when he directed that episode, and, they you know, they talked to him a little bit about that. Um, it seems like he definitely has a, you know, some of these, these actors and actresses will, 
come in and direct an episode just as like, this is something I want to do. And they'll and they'll direct an episode and, you know, it's fine or whatever. And then, you know, they may never do, do it again. I just got the impression just listening to him after directing that episode. It seems like he has a uh, a pull towards that direction. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him either if he leaves the show or when the show's over or whatever, whatever the fate of this ends up being to see him branch out and do more directing. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see him show up on other, other shows. Even on the uh, cons when he, when he did some video on uh, talking about the show and stuff, Oh, he's deep into directing. Like it's something that really, he lights up when he talks about directing. So I can, I can see him wanting to do more. Yeah. The show is done. If for a guy that, you know, if this is because I don't I, I don't believe he's done any TV directing outside of fear. I like, so. I think these three are there because I, I think when he first directed the first episode of fear, that was his first that was his first time directing anything, you know, for, you know, major or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but he, he does a pretty decent job. I mean, sometimes, he, you know, you can tell when these one off directors or whatever, they're they're It's like, yeah, it's serviceable. You know, it's fine. But um, he's got a good eye. I, yeah. I when he talks about stuff, he has a very good creative eye about things on this episode of the coleman domingo fan club we discuss coleman's directing prowess so when i say cake what do you think of (laughs) don't get don't get it started over here (laughs) um we get the little intro uh pre you know post cold open montage and it's it's an owl focused little montage there with the green and stuff i thought it was a cool cool image again i'm a fan of these changing the intro, you know, bits to, to kind of fit the episode. So, mm-hmm. uh, this one, this one does that. So when we start the show proper, so that's the last we see of Morgan, you know, this yeah, episode. So we get that little, our, our front prologue. Yeah. Which, you know, a lot of times when they do that, they don't, it's not often they just show something in the, in the cold open like that. And then we don't get it again. Like usually, they'll kind of weave it in throughout the episode. So I thought it was interesting that we just got that little bit in the beginning and then, um, and then that's all we got. Um, so we start the episode proper and, and it's Al and Dwight who are teamed up for this episode, which we kind of heard. Um, I guess it was the end of last season that this season, at least the first, the first half was going to be kind of a road show of episodes that it was going to be, um, you know, one offs. It wasn't going to be the group all together. It was going to be a lot of like separate, you know, adventures. And so far, this this the third episode in that that's kind of proven itself out. So I know, hey, I know, next week is like the Dillahunt Jen Ellison yes. episode too. So. Yeah. And I, honestly, it's working for me. I, I mean, as much as I might have had some issues last week, I mean, I do like, I prefer this um, when it gives you a chance to kind of deal with people specifically as opposed to working so much of that ensemble. I mean. What was that? Was the was the plane last season? The whole plane thing that yeah. took forever. Yeah, yeah. We keep on we keep on talking about how sometimes the plot of this show kind of gets in way in the way of the good characterization. I know that's like a theme we've harped upon before. Um, and I like this format allows the characterization to just go and just uh-huh. be all like have you know these nice little character moments like we get in this episode with uh, Dwight now. I was just agreeing with Aaron. It's the I the choice of focusing on a few characters each episode is a smart one. Um, it works well. Um, not very many times can TV pull off ensembles well. Um, and they've had hit or miss in different seasons of Walking Dead. But this, I don't know. Like, this show, this episode made me appreciate Al way more than I have 
in in the past that she's joined the show, and it's because they were able to spend some really good time on her character and Dwight. You know, I I think it's the smart way to go. Is and then maybe save up the ensemble portions for like mid season finale and end season finales and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, when they get to the inevitable, we got to take down Ginny plot line of the. Yeah. You know, the, the crossover <laughs> event in <laughs> Jenny. Um, yeah, so uh, Al and Dwight are filming. Uh, you know, they're just kind of, we get the impression they've been at this for a little bit now, going place to place. They've gone pro. Yes, yes, they've gone. They've gone <laughs> That's pro. <dumb. laughs> I'm believing this episode sponsored by GoPro. <laughs> yes, <dumb>. GoPro, <laughs> the only camera you need in these zombie apocalypse. Uh, <laughs> the camera thing really bugged me. Just, why? I, I, it just doesn't work for me. I I don't know why. I well, like what like what doesn't work? I guess. It just seems odd. Like. Is somebody back at the base watching all of these? And if so, I mean, are they accounting? Okay, they were out for this many hours, and there's only this many hours of footage and things well, like. No, it's it's Al's thing. No. I mean, it's been clear enough. That's Al's thing. Like, you should know that. Yeah, she but the camera. She's got an even better way to do it at this point. The, the GoPros are for Jenny, though, is what I'm saying, right? Or did I misread that? Well, no, I mean, yes and no, right? I mean, her whole purpose is everybody, I'm going to give everybody their job. And so part of it for Ginny is, I think with Al, it's two purposes. One, she's documenting this process, and they saw how effective that was in bringing people when they were doing the, you know, leave what you want, take what you need, that kind of that kind of no, thing. No, I did that. So, so it's like, well, this is Al's thing. This is what she's good at. So, let, I'm gonna let her go out into the world and do this. At the same time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna impress upon her that she needs to find these chopper people, so we can find out what's what's doing that. So, I think one is a means to the other, and so mm-hmm. it just allows it's allows just, her to do it. I and totally her, get that. That's not what I was saying. I was just saying is obviously. Al and Dwight, they're not exactly Ginny fans. You know, they're not... I I know she's putting trust in them going out there and doing this. I'm just saying is, like, they shut the cameras off for when they went off off course and everything. Sure. And all of that stuff. How how were they... How, was it, how were they expecting to cover it? I mean, Dwight has this little plan later to find a walker that's kind of, you know, whatever, but well, I mean, I don't know. Just, obviously, there's not that's what unlimited. I'm is I can't put my finger on it. It's just the whole GoPro thing does not work for me, and I don't know why. It just gotcha. doesn't. Right. I mean, there's not unlimited film. You know, like there's not unlimited memory on those GoPros. So, I mean, the, the I think the impression is not like you, you need to film 24 seven 365 so we can. Okay, because that that's the impression that I got from the way Dwight was acting. Was no, that, no, no. I, I mean, I, got the I think it's more when, like they're, when they communicate. On at all times. I think it's more that communicate like they were going to go do this thing, and so it's like okay, record like us entering this building or you know, getting yeah. like. Okay, then that then that makes these. sense to me. It's just that they, I don't know. It, I just got the impression that they were supposed to be like cops wearing body cameras. Like no, I think look back. I think rewatch work. it. <laughs> rewatch it again, Chuck, because I think you you put more into it than what they showed. I mean, 
Like they, I don't know. I just that's the impression well, I got. Basically, but I mean, just, just take a minute. Just yeah, take a minute and rewatch that scene because when they're coming in, it's they kind of say it in the conversation with each other. Like we've been doing this for so long, it's annoying now. Where they had when they were on the radio, where they want them to show the bodies, they want them to show. Um, if they can find out what who's killing them or is there something out there that's killing them, um, and they said it, they kind of said it, and then they turned the cameras off. Like yeah, it's it's like it's just they're just like recording crime scenes essentially. Right. They yeah. get somewhere. And, and they've that. seen her tape. I, I don't know why. I just I got the impression in the beginning of something. I don't know. It's Wade Dwight acted. I don't know. It was something that he gave well, because me. Because if you're that doing... supposed to have those cameras on at all times. Well, it was banter between the two. I mean, they've been doing this, traveling back, you know, looking at all these, uh, checking all these houses and stuff. They've been doing it for a little bit. It's It was banter, you know, like, I mean, it's like from the wallet, you know, finding different uh, places. Right, it's a driver's been. license game. Like the guy, yeah, and it, it, it was banter between the two of them. That's why it came off that way. If, 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 if any two friends doing something like this long enough, even if you don't want to do it, you got to find something to keep you... You know, to keep the two of you sane. Well, makes sense now. I'm like I said, now I get it. It's just right. Right. Okay. And, and they're worrying about their friends too. So, I mean, this is something <laughs> they were trying to, to do. That was like a little little game banter. Right. But. but yeah, like we were alluding to, they had a game where they would check walkers for driver's licenses. They're trying to collect all fifty states. That I thought was cool. And they're making fun of them too. I mean, they're 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 captors, so they're kind of. You know, but that also tells me that they've been doing this for a while, like Daryl right. said. You know, what I mean, I mean, you don't get forty nine states on your first day, right? Right, right, right. So any any way they can do a little middle finger, like any way they can do a little middle finger at the at the those got you know at the people in charge, yeah. the sheriffs or whatever. That's, that's kind of what they were doing. And then in, in Russ, in, in Russ made a good point about like the almost like the propaganda value of it. You know, what I mean, because right. they saw the video they'd made before and how that brought like so many people out you know so maybe they could you know video something they could you know use something to similar effect yeah and ultimately yeah. jenny has got the rest of them hanging over their head right like yeah. if they decide to bail yeah. or they decide to do something stupid she'll just kill the rest of them so right all right so she's kind of got that that going for her um yeah. And on her side, I mean, just wrap this up, I guess. On her side of things, Jenny's thinking, well, if I can get her to do the thing that she likes doing, which is videotape stuff, as well as, you know, obviously aid my own camp, ideally, it's another step for her to get them to come around, just like with Strand yeah. last week. Like, right. she's right. giving them the stuff that they ideally want to be a part of. And so mm-hmm. I, you ultimately can win them over is her goal. Whether or not that works, that's another story. Yeah, I mean, we kind of saw it with Strand last week, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's. She, she's kind of, if, if nothing else, she kind of reads people and, you know, kind of focuses in on let them, you know, not to give too much away, but let's just say in the preview for next week's episode, uh, there's a character that that has a certain set of skills that are allowed to exercise those set of skills. So that's right. Liam Neeson's going to save some daughters because right. Al, because Al's on the loose and he has to that's save right. her again. <laughs> uh, it's what makes Ginny interesting to me compared to Negan in his introduction because I, I can understand how her people have power. I still think the yeah. What are they called? The the uh, the count? What the Rangers? I, I just don't think the Rangers are pretty dumb. Um, but in terms of how she gained power, like I can understand that more to me. That makes more sense in like how I'm seeing this community right. standing. Morgan Texas, just looks though. dangerous, and, and Morgan is just too dangerous. So she killed him. She's actually scared of Morgan. I think. Yeah. That, that oh, kind of made her do that. Clearly. I mean, it kind of buys into the Texas thing, right? You know, the the whole 
I mean, I don't know if most people know the Texas Rangers are a real law enforcement outfit in Texas. Yeah, they yeah. they literally exist. Yeah. Um, yeah, but these aren't Texas Rangers. These are no, like I understand. No, but they're I mean, just I mean, using the, they're just using that name. No, but I mean, yeah. again, you're in Texas. The concept, the the you know the Western aspect to it, you know all that business. I mean, it just and boards they have more power than they should. Uh, they really do because they they are the ones that investigate the police. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> when 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 you're in little Podunk, uh, middle of nowhere, Texas, and you're up to some shady shit, uh, that's who gets to come in and sort all that stuff out. Chuck, Chuck Norris is gonna mess up your plans by investigating. Nope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nope. It's Jared Padalecki you now. That's right. The new right. the new Walker Texas Ranger. Thank you. Right. I assume this is on the old person's network, CBS. No, this is on the CW. This is, oh, on, the is? Current, this is on the current network. The, oh, Doctor okay. current, <laughs> the Doctor Current Network. That's right. Current watches, the CW. That's CW, right. current watches, yep. So Al pulls out a radio. Let's talk about the next five minutes of the show. Now, yeah, exactly. I know. At this rate, this is going to be a five-hour podcast. <laughs> um, we'll have to split it in two parts. Um, but Al here's the – she's been listening to, to the walkie-talkie um, obviously, Dwight's been, you know, pretty cognizant of that fact as well. Again, that's kind of what what she's out here to do as well as to kind of give Ginny a lead on these chopper people and to try and figure all that out. Um, and so she's listening to the radio on the traffic. She or traffic on the radio. She hears Elizabeth. Um, and so she starts, you know, kind of uh, trying to get a, a, a beat on uh, what she's up to. And then. I must say, this show's been on for 10 years now, going on 11 years. That mortuary walker, that was the creepiest freaking walker I think I've ever seen. It was the hair. I wanted to say something about the hair, man. The hair was, like, too well done because she was in a funeral home, right? Yeah. 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 That was some creepy shit. Like, I agree. And new. And something new. Yeah, with the embalming fluid cool. coming out of her, it was like, oh, mm-hmm. no, thank yeah, you. She wasn't decomposing, so she was still yeah. like, right. Walker, but she not was still walker fresh. It was a good, that's a good concept. Like, see, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, last week, it was like, we have molasses and we don't do anything with it. This yeah. week, it's like, oh, my God, like, there's there's the show I want to see. Uh, but, yeah, that was a cool, I mean, again, for a show to be this long in the tooth and for us to be kind of see something new as far as how they do walkers and stuff, I, I, I applauded that. Yeah, um, good job, Greg Nicotero. Yeah, it may be. Wonder and question more the physiology of of the zombie now. How is it that? How do they function? Because obviously, it we know that there's not blood pumping, but obviously that has nothing to do with it. They've embalmed it. The brain, I mean, at that point, is pretty much candy. <laughs> you know, so what what is making that walker function? Doesn't matter. It, <laughs> it doesn't really man. matter, but I mean, the that's cool. kind of thing. Storytelling, my intact. friend. Storytelling. That's, that's, that's what it is. The brain's intact. Yeah. You want answers? Talk to Jenner, and he's dead. So you get <laughs> yeah, no answers. There you right? go. No answers. <laughs> <laughs> so then they find some bad beer. I thought that was funny that um, Al's like, oh, yeah, it's skunked. And then Dwight, like, what, what cracks me up about this is he takes a swig, he spits it out, and then he takes another drink, that's like, immediately. Right. <laughs> Beer doesn't hold up in the apocalypse for 10, 11 years like ginger ale does. That's what I learned this week. <laughs> I did like the way they got to talk about their sweeties, kind of, in this scene with the beers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Al didn't really want to talk about Isabel, but she was you know, definitely on her mind. I mean, she wouldn't even tell Dwight Isabel's name in this. I had to look it up, right? 
uh, for my notes. And then uh, I, I, the line that, that really got me was uh, Dwight was like, you know, you're talking to the guy who walked halfway across the country because his wife wrote him a note. Yeah, I'll, I'll go one further and say this whole episode, as far as character work goes, I really liked the work done from um, Austin Emilio and uh, Maggie Grace. I think they did a really good job of Agreed. making these characters feel lived in in this kind of the, this, the current setting that they have for each other. Yeah, Again, we... talk, going to, I'm sorry, Bruce, I didn't mean to cut okay. you off, but going back to something that you said that we were talking about earlier, this really gives the sh- characters a chance to breathe mm-hmm. without having to be like, okay, here's my two minutes of screen time to advance the plot. Okay, here's my two minutes of screen time to advance the plot that we normally get. I mean, yeah. here's you know just Alan Dwight just having a couple of skunked beers and talking about the people they're missing, right? It, it's, a, it's a good scene. It's solid. Yeah, I, I like them, too, as a pair. You know, that, yeah. I thought that was mm-hmm. a good pair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things like on the surface, you'd be like, oh, that's a weird, you know, pairing. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, they, they, they worked. They, I think they did a really good job. Um, so, yeah, so he ends up talking her into it. Uh, they hop in the truck. They take off. They head towards the, the quote, coordinates where the chopper is going to where the chopper is going to land. Um, they head towards this building. And uh, they find a guy in the in the street, and they check his his ID, and sure enough, he has a driver's license from Alaska. What was his name? Mark Smith, like the most generic name possible. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know his last name was Smith. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's a little on the nose. Um, so they head towards the building, uh, spray painted on the walls. We see the end is the beginning. Uh, yeah, which we've, there, we've yeah. seen before. A lot of factions coming in the Fear of the Walking Dead universe. We got helicopter yeah. people. We got the Rangers. We got the Doomsday Club from beneath the Planet of the Apes. I mean, everything's going on right now. Yeah. On the show. Uh, so they head inside the building, uh, start heading up the stairs, and uh, they come across a lady who we find out her name is Nora. Wait, and... wait, 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 wait. Before they're like first, like they come in that building and like the building like falls like splat on the ground, right? Right. The, the bo- body, sorry, body. Doesn't like a body like fall like off the ground like from like a high distance because it's like a high rise. It falls off the stairwell. Yeah, like it, it falls, falls up the stairwell. It must have been walking down the stairs and fell over the rail or something. Oh that's, right, right. At least that's what I thought. There were also a bunch of ca- oh, I'm sorry, you, there were a bunch of cages full of rats too. I just I like a good scene where a body just falls out of nowhere onto the ground. <laughs> like that's yeah. always like oh okay, one of these. Uh, so they they keep heading up. Uh, they come across Nora who. Uh, Nora and I, I I don't know who the other guy the, but Mark Mark yeah they're basically uh, a lot su- of marks <laughs> yeah a lot of marks they were surprised um, from these two people in the building and uh, they're they're able to kind of convince them that you know they're not here to hurt hurt them and they actually need their help and so they they take them inside and they see there's a lot of people in in this uh, office building that are sick um, and Al kind of not zombie sick though. Right, like sick sick. This is where I had a hard time like I mean, I don't listen to my TV very low like volume wise, but I had a hard time hearing what cuz she was kind of whispering to to Dwight. But she was essentially saying like, "Look, I've seen this before, you know, just as a war correspondent. Um these people are sick, they need antibiotics. You know, this is some sort of I don't think she said did, she didn't actually say plague at this point, did she? She said bubonic. Yeah, she said. Oh, did she did. Okay. She said yeah. she'd seen it in the field, yeah. Right. Um, but she's like, these people need antibiotics and, and, you know, we're at risk for getting whatever it is they have. We need to get the hell out of here. And so. Plus she makes the point that Jenny is not going to help these people. Right. Yes. 
which yeah, the, for some reason Nora doesn't seem to believe them that that Ginny is yeah, not I, is not going to help them. And I'm like, really? That's the part that didn't make sense to me. Like you would think you'd understand that they're not everybody's going to be nice. Yeah, and, you know, because you're. I mean, I know what you're saying. It's just you're desperate and you have you know a building full of people that all need to help, and you're like working days on end to try and make this possible. And like the first people you come across, it's I I get. I get the des- desperation, I guess, over yeah, I guess maybe over, over, was, yeah. over a realistic like expectation. And, and some of it's probably like, of course you would say that. Like, yeah. of course you would say she. And Laura, Nora has her own issues too that you get into later in the show. Like, there's you know, there's right. a lot there. Oh, I mean, sure, this sure. Is a panic yeah. situation. Um, you deal with bubonic plague, Daryl. <laughs> yeah. I would, and I would know better than the, if they looking at me scared like that when I say you're gonna help us, right? Then I have a kind of feeling that they're not gonna. Yeah, you'd be in your murder shed throwing cheese to the neighbors next door's house to get the rats away. That's right. <laughs> the perfect strategy. <laughs> um, so they realize that they, there's nothing they could do for for them. They don't. They don't have the medicine. They don't. You know, these people are sick. Um, and they've been kind of. It kind of goes along with them the fact that they're tracking a bunch of like groups of people that have died that don't appear to have died from. You know, like, like this is this is more of the pattern that they're seeing that these people are are sick, um, you know, via their investigation. Um, so they they make a they bolt for it. They they just were like, screw this. They're they're out. They make a bolt for the exit. They start um, to head up because they want to get to the roof. Um, and then they come across. I think this is where they come across the stairwell, right? Where they the the stairwell is kind of loose. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> There's a bunch of walkers that are that are there. Then they find like Al punches through the hole, like a, one of the sheetrock in the in the walls, and they they basically cut they they cut since they can't get through, they cut through the wall and try and go through. And then that's when they see all these rats. Um, and I think that's what kind of clues them into the fact that this is what's carrying the infection is these rats um, running around. Um, and so they're able to to get around the rats, and then they uh, they they kind of keep moving up, and then Nora finds them again. Surprise! Nora finds them again. Um, I um I don't have a personal thing against rats uh, as far as like fears go. I know that's like a thing for some people, so I'm just curious, like if they if the show like works effectively on people as far as scaring them when it comes to like oh rats ah like it gets it. it, 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 it I see that a lot in movies, or like, like, like Last Crusade, for example, or whatnot, where it's like, sure. look, look, look how terrifying this is, rats. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want to hang out with them. Yeah, because uh, seeing as I have to uh, d- uh, dispatch several barn rats a year, not, not, not my favorite thing. No, that, and those rats are rats. Like, yes, yeah, those are no baby. Barn rats are. Big, yeah. It's, it's no cute pizza rat that becomes a viral sensation. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, it's no, no splinter. No. Let me tell you, Nothing like that. It's no, no Remy. No kung fu. Nothing. Not at all. <laughs> so Nora catches up with them. They kind of oh, continue. Is, is this before or after we find out Dwight has the plague now? Oh. yeah, yeah. We find yes, we do find out that that okay. Dwight is. Oh, now, if you Dwight. notice in these scenes. Al was wearing a mask, and Dwight yeah. was not. Yep. I'm See? just going to put that out there. I'm not going to make a judgment call on that. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. just one saying. of them got the plague. The other one did not. Yeah, like like Borat says, wear a mask, save a life. There you go. True. Funny how that works. 
Um, but yeah, so the, the, yeah, we find out Dwight's and I got the impression that that wasn't like they're implying he wasn't sick from being in the building, right? Like no, he, no, they said they said they, out loud because so they even yeah, set it up, they even set it up earlier that he had a sleeping bag, rat in the sleeping bag, and so they called right. back again. Like it's because it, you can't not deny the convenience of him getting plague as right. soon as they're escaping rats in the building where there's yeah. also people with plague. But I mean, I got I can buy that. I'll buy it. I'll allow it. Now, if you remember three episodes ago, he used an unclean toilet seat, and <laughs> uh, in the in the after credit scene. And obviously that's where it happened. So yeah, no one catches up. There was an after credit scene. <laughs> We're just joking around. Oh okay. It, it was. I was making a joke about the after credit scene on uh, World Beyond. This yeah, because that has me extremely annoyed. Okay. We'll get yeah, there. That's like a, that's we'll get there. I'm sorry. Because I, I missed to, it if there was one on fear. I was trying to yeah. try Don't to worry. Just, sorry. Audience, listen to the after credit scene on this podcast yes, about Chubb. Yes. Talking about the dislike of the after credit scene. <laughs> yes. You have to delay forty minutes because we're going to play all of Fleetwood Mac first, and then we'll get to the after credit right. scene. Yes. Right. yes, I'm so totally not going to edit all that. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they got trapped in a bathroom too. That's the worst. They end up uh, getting to a section of the building where uh, there's a bunch of water. They've got them kind of like penned up, or they're in a position where they're kind of penned up, and so. Dwight's like, okay, just just unblock them, and we'll just kill them one by one. Like, we'll kind of funnel them through this little opening. And so they do that. They kill them all. And Nora just kind of has, like, this panic attack kind of moment because obviously one of the ones that are dead um, is somebody she recognizes. And then we find out she used to work in this building. She sold timeshares to people on the fifth floor. Um, and so she kind of has this moment of um, – like, this is not how I want to remember these people I used to work with and these people I know. And it's like I'm looking at them now and they're, you know, this desiccated corpse um, that doesn't even look like the way they used to look. And, of course, she mentioned she knew um, Mr. Alaska. So Al gives Nora the the ID for Mr. Smith so she can remember him as he was and not uh, as he was on uh, after being tossed off a 20 story building. Um, and so at this point, they're they're kind of at the at the point where they're ready to go to the top. Alan Dwight say their goodbyes, which I, I thought was very, again, a, a really good Al and Dwight moment, which is, you know, again, we haven't really seen a whole lot of interaction between these characters. And so it was kind of nice to to, again, pick them up after it seems like they've been at this for a while. They've built this rapport. They've built this relationship with each other. Um, and so it was a kind of a nice little goodbye that uh, that they have to each other. It is because it's I mean, that's a that's a sign of good writing. That's what that is. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you when you can especially given the shit that's gone on in this episode, like yeah. having, you know, plague all of a sudden emerge on your neck like that's when I can. And, you know, me, I'm, I'm first to call out the writing on this show. So, like, when you can get past certain things that seem too convenient or too exposition heavy or what have you and just like let me to care about the characters, like cl- clearly you've done something correctly. Uh, so I, I do think that's a credit to what this episode's doing and like what the direction's doing because you're focused on the things that matter to the show and not matter in the back of your head. Like, why does this not work or whatnot? So, right. I, uh, I applaud. I applaud. You know, for a show that we're very critical of a lot, I, yes. I, I applaud that they did a good job this week of of making this stuff work because it's important. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. So Al heads to the roof, and um, while she's sitting there waiting. 
she uh, one of the things Dwight told her because she was going to give her GoPro back to Dwight. And he said, no, keep it, keep it. He goes, I actually I actually put a little message on there for you so you can watch it while you're on the on the helicopter on your ride back. So, Al, of course, gets to the top while she's just sitting there waiting. She fires up the GoPro and listens to um, uh, to Dwight's message. And it was he, he says, oh, I think you just went off to pee. So I just got a minute. So I'm going to make this quick. Um, and he just tells her, like, hey, when you get where you're going, just have a beer for me and, and don't forget the pretzels. And he goes, you know, hey, love you and, you know, peace out. And uh, and I, again, another just like it was just very sweet and very genuine. It and it, uh, was. it was it was just a great little scene. And so uh, Al just kind of looks at it and then she's kind of pacing around. She's trying to figure out what to do. Um, she sees a box there that has some uh, flares and landing lights in them. Um that's what those little disc things are. Um, you put those out in a circle, and there's a there's one that's a different color to tell you which way the wind's blowing, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, pulls out a flare, uh, pops it in the flare gun, fires it off, and uh, then she she hears, uh, is it Elizabeth or is it is it Isabel? Isabel. Okay, I don't know why I have my notes, Elizabeth. <laughs> Uh, here's Isabel on the radio and waves her off and tells her not to not to to go there because that basically it's infected with plague and it's not good for them to land. And they kind of have their very cryptic uh, communique with each other because obviously there's other people listening to to the radio and she's able to wave them off and says, like, hey, you know, there's some beer in the uh, supply chest. And so Al goes a- over. We'll get there because I know there's a moment coming, but there's I like a good like coded walkie talkie speech like that works. Yeah, for me. I don't know. There's something about that that just feels like because like you're in on it. So like you're, mm-hmm. you're yeah, you're like you're invested in just that speech because you like want to both figure it out, but also feel the pain or the emotion that comes with that scene that and that tends to work for me in in, in, in TVs or moving or movies. In speaking by the book, Captain, hours could seem like days. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But I agree. This is a really, really nice set of scenes leading up. And even her conversation with Isabel, you know, it's like, uh, you know, she's not even sure. Al's not even sure if she has the plague or not either, you know. Yes. But everything. Well, I'm sorry. We're right before the reveal of everything that's in the um, supply. Great. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It just seemed a little video gamey to me. It's like, ba-ding, ba-ding. Hey, you got yeah, exactly. the star. It's like you got enough health packs to heal the whole team now. You know? But yeah, I'm they're. Sorry. There happens to be two things in that supply chest. It's like there's beer and Cipro, and it's like right. not just antibiotics, <laughs> but Cipro specifically. And a lot, <laughs> like enough for everyone. Like, yeah, I mean, those were huge-ass bottles, uh, yeah. but it was just funny. It's like that's a pretty specific antibiotic to just have a ton of. Like, <laughs> um, and it just and so I happens. Guess, and exactly I guess it makes sense. Oh, I'm sorry. I know it's exactly what they need, but I guess it makes sense because do- they were doing that research there, and that's why the bubonic plague got loose there in their building or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, oh, it, just yeah. seemed, sure. it just seemed very video gamey to me. It's like, oh, you made it to the final, you made it to the top level, you made it to the final boss. Here's your, <laughs> here's your reward. Here's your here's prize. Yeah, but it was cool. It was all right. I just yeah. wanted to mention that. No, for sure. Um, I, yeah. I, well, at first it's funny because she started opening that box. I'm like, if there's pretzels in that box, like, God damn it, <laughs> like, um, but no, it was Cipro, which was kind kind of just as irony. But um, anyway, uh, so yeah, so she finds the Cipro, she heads back down, and 
she she's convinced you know she obviously shares all the medicine she tells she tells dwight go get your cipro like you get a cipro and you get a cipro everybody gets a cipro um (laughs) and uh, nora um says well you know hey we can we can go back with with you and she's like no you don't want to go back there you know basically they're not nice people but we'll find you someplace so uh the the more i think about though it's like it's cool that, you know, by the end of the episode, they got exactly what they needed to fix and help everyone. And I would almost rather have that than them dragging it out for six episodes. Yeah. Yes. Trying to, like, go find the penicillin or the Cipro somewhere, you know what I mean? Yeah, like they hold, you know, Dwight hostage while Al and somebody else have to go get the Cipro, right? You know? Um, yeah. So they decide they're 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 going to go. And um, Al finds the spray can. Uh, which which matches the the spray paint on the building, and so she thinks that this was done on purpose, like somebody's making these people sick, uh, and that this wasn't just happenstance or coincidence. Um, and then Al has a radio, and she starts to hear some tra- somebody on the radio asking about the helicopter, and Dwight's like panicked, like wait wait hold on hold on give me that give me that radio, and he listens again, and then. He, I think he, he doesn't even say it's him. He just like, is that you, babe, or something like that? And she's like, Dwight. And so it you know, just becomes this moment where, of course, you know, it's Sherry on the other end of the radio, and you see Dwight walking outside the building, turns around the corner, sees her at the end of the alley, and just starts running towards her. Um, and then, of course, the rest of them uh, hear, uh, the, the rest of them see that. Uh, they go outside and see that too. So I like that scene. Yeah, so by the end of the episode, Dwight is finally reunited with his long-lost wife, Sherry. Good. Another good, like, I like the music in this. Like, it's so cheesy as hell, but I like mm-hmm. the music. Like, it, it is, just, but I like I don't, that. I, I was just, like, in the moment for this episode. Like, I was just like, this is working for me. I don't know why. Yeah. I had no, like, I had no build-up to this. I'm like, all right, let's do the Walking Dead shows now. Let me put this on. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, this is working. I mean, even though you know it's coming, it's mm-hmm. still, I still just enjoyed it yeah. it just worked it felt like those those two actors really really played it again i think it's just it's just one of those things it just it was a coming together of good acting good writing a solid directing effort um and it just it just made for an enjoyable episode like it, it just i just felt like yeah this was this is a good you know just a good good episode so that's where the episode ends um I haven't looked at the listener reviews. I'm going to get like disappointed. Everybody's going to be all like, this episode sucked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do we want to give our Tobies? Uh, Rich, why don't you go first? What, what was your Toby rating for the, for this episode? I liked the episode. I thought it was pretty solid. It was good writing. Um, you know, now that I don't, I'm not obsessed with what I thought. It was <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Um, it was a bittersweet scene for me at the end because like, it was really cool to see Dwight, you know, kind of the, the end of that quest that he had and everything like that. And the, the arc for his character, it's great. But on the other hand, I don't like her. I didn't like her character when we first met her with the saviors and all of that. I just, I don't like her, but we'll see that could change. You're going to be mad about her now? Like, I'm not four mad. seasons later? I'm not mad. It's just like, I didn't really like her back it, back when we had her before. And I'm I'll, not... I'll do you one more. I can't remember anything about her from the Yeah, show, I was about to say that. I, just, I didn't remember her. 
she treated Dwight like shit. And I mean, things were pretty different back why. in the savior days. Things were yeah. different. I understand that. I don't know. I just I didn't like her. I okay. you know when when she disappeared, I thought it was all for the better. But, I mean, you know, if I had to change, that could change. Yeah, I, I sure. I, I'm trying to feel like did did they just like. Did they find Negan? They're like, I guess we're joining this group, and they start making him do bad stuff or whatever. Was that like the, well, their deal? Well, Negan forced her to marry him, be one of his wives. Yeah. yeah. And then, then mean, when when he um, rebelled against that, that's when he got the iron to the face. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> like, if I'm in that scenario and like all this stuff's happening, I'd get the hell out of there too if I got that first chance. Like, I get it. Yeah, I wouldn't stay. No, I can't. I'm just, I don't know. I just, rem- I was very negative on her character then, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. But and over- I think part of that was like, because she got like a show, right? Like she got another show to do where she's like the lead or whatever, and that got so. that got that got whiskied. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I about like part of that. That that I imagine part of that has to do with they wrote her character to be a certain way so they can get rid of her character. I'd imagine that might be playing into it a little bit as well. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it could change. I just I remember disliking her character and seeing her again didn't really do anything for me other than I was happy for Dwight. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I just have a feeling she's going to bring a whole new set of problems. So. Oh yeah, you don't throw her back in here and she's all happy. Like something's good, something bad's gonna oh, happen. No, for sure. She's got like a quaid over her chest or something. I don't know. Whatever's going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so to sum that up, uh, four Tobies. <laughs> wow, nice. That's some next level math, there, man. I'm saying, <laughs> carry the one. <laughs> Making me laugh. She was on a show called The Arrangement. Yeah, fifth, that was the show. Fifth, fifth dimensional algebra going on. Damn. All right, Jim, what do you, how many Tobies do you get this episode? I enjoyed this. I really liked, uh, you know, Maggie Grace and, and August Emilio in this uh, together. I thought they had good chemistry. Um, we're talking, you know, I think it was last week about World Beyond, how some actors can just have that kind of, you know, body, like, uh, relaxed chemistry with each other to seem like they've been together a long time and how those kids in that show did not. This was an example of actors who did. They really felt like comfortable being in each other's space. They really, I really, you know, bought that they'd been doing this for a long time together. Um, good writing, good dialogue, all overall, good direction. I give it. It was solid. I give it a four. This was a good episode. Mr. Taylor, Doctor Kurt, uh, Doctor Kurt. <laughs> yes, let's keep this current. I I enjoyed this episode a lot. Like I I really dug it, man. I the, the chemistry between Dwight and um, and uh, now I can't remember her name I'm not um, Al and Al I thought was great like I, I didn't even think about them being those two characters interacting but to see them do that like these two characters would not have interacted if this was you know many seasons ago right there was such they were both in such different places but uh to see uh, fear use them the way they have in this episode, I I really liked it. It, it was and it was good for them to be together without the other group being there for a little bit, just to gel, just to have them gel like that. Um, and I liked what happened in it. I liked what happened in the episode. I, I thought uh, the bingo did a great job directing this. Like they gave them the right character moments. So I give it a five out of five, Toby's. I liked it. 
I really did. Wow. Aaron? Um, I'm, uh, I'm very strong as well. Not quite as strong as a Darrow, though I do admire the five, to- the five Tobies. Uh, even I still think I like the premiere a little bit more, so I'll give it four Tobies. But I think this episode is just, it, it proves what good you can get out of a show that has focus and just has the right moves to make as far as giving you a tight story that has a beginning, middle and end, which this one very much does. And, you know, gives you a lot of color in between. I mean, you have the character interaction, you have some creative use of the zombies, uh, walkers, empties, um, and you have, uh, uh, you know, just some like good, like drama to work with. And on this show, which has had, you know, a variety of different ways to handle things. I, I like this current direction it's trying to take as far as giving you both the kind of separated characters thing while still embracing that Western thing and also giving you this kind of, you know, these are ultimately good people trying to do good things. I mean, that is the separation, I think, from Walking Dead as far as they, they're they proactively going after things to make things better. And I do think that even while they're subjugated to Ginny, I still think that's part of the, you know, the ethos of the series currently. So I, I really like that. I really like what this episode did. So four, four Tobies. I am going to give it four Tobies as well. I just, I really thought this was a solid episode. And again, we've been fairly critical of this particular uh, show, you know, mainly on the writing side and some odd choices. The the plane was was particularly consternated, consternated uh, all of us. Um, so to to have just like a coherently written, well acted, um, tight, concise episode, I thought was was really really good. But that's what we think. So I think, Aaron, you have an email that I neglected uh, from picking up last week uh yeah we got it up it's 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 um it's covering a couple episodes from the first two first two weeks so i know we're kind of getting off topic a little bit here but this one's from andrew park and he uh, he emailed us in and he has a, a bit of a read here so let me get through it he writes hello chaps it's been a while since i commented and left any ratings but i have been getting back into the walking dead universe again and enjoyed the pot enjoying the podcast i thought the premiere of your season six was really good i gave it a solid four soothing eye drops out of five of course, Morgan Jones can't die. Well, unless that is decreed by Morgan Jones himself. Who is Morgan Jones now? A question we keep asking on this show. <laughs> to while away the hours in this Logan-esque water tower, Morgan could have come up with a few alter ego names to confound Virginia over the radio. Here's just a few anagrams of Morgan Jones. <laughs> no germs, Jason. Apparently gangrene is instantly cured by bandages. Born again? No, Go Norm's Gene, a candle in the wind reference. Gore John's Man, not John Dory. Uh, Gamer Johnston, a British prime minister. And John Me Organs, prone to being pulled out. So there's some of his anagrams that he could have had for uh, potential Morgan Jones alter egos. Uh, he continues, I like the fact that they managed to resuscitate show from season five with a stripped back Western vibe, campfires, beans and hats all de rigueur in the first episode with the pioneers setting up the western town of Lawton. Crash planes and altruism seem a long way away. Morgan's wiggy hair acting was distracting at times. Uh, they did a good job of setting up the rangers as porch dicks from the get-go. Remember porch dicks? <laughs> One of them gladly meeting a sticky end in episode two. You could say it was a, a molassacre. Oh. And he writes, tumbleweed. <laughs> I'll get my coat as if he's leaving because of how terrible that joke was, but it was yes. very good. 
Uh, actually, where did the molasses go when they did eventually gain access to the warehouse? That's a great question. Uh, Daniel did a good job of convincing me he had some am- kind of amnesia. I couldn't understand Strand's motives. We learned that he made a deal with Virginia to keep Alicia with him as his conscience, thus making Strand Pinocchio to Alicia's chimney cricket. Unfortunately, we can't see Strand's nose grow when he's telling Porky's or lies. Um, Porky pies lies. Uh, Virginia has a sister called Dakota who went south pretty quickly and turned against her sister. When Strand is promoted to being a capo, why does he just take control? Anyway, on that note, episode two, I also give four busters. Best wishes. Uh, so thank you, Andrew, for emailing us. I, I, I know it's a it's a week later, but hey, you got it in, and we're happy to read it. So thank you for that message. Indeed. So Jim, what did the listeners think of this episode on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash WDTV podcast? Well, thanks for all that, so I don't have to say it. Uh, we got a few ratings in this week, not as many as I would like, but Cameron Barry wrote in, uh, four dark office buildings at night out of five. I like the friendship between Dwight and Al, and I will always enjoy the setting of skyscrapers during the apocalypse. It is an interesting aesthetic, yes. Uh, I also think Sherry is with a group who is going to help in the upcoming battle with Ginny. Do you think this big battle with Ginny is going to spill over into like the three different factions they talked about in World Beyond? Uh, I mean, it's going to be a prelude to because I think CRM is going to. If if our group doesn't take out Ginny, I think CRM is going. To. I'm sorry, I just I just don't know because I don't. If if they told us this is going to be the last season of Fear the Walking Dead, then I'd have more definitive answers right. to think about. But I just don't know what's going on, honestly, so I can't yeah. tell. It seems with all the well, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to World Beyond. Never mind. Yeah. Um, Brent Jones came in with two stupid premises out of five. I enjoyed the episode until she got to the roof. I love the pairing. I sp- actually enjoyed Dwight for the first time. Don't really don't care about Ginny and her little world. It won't be around very long. The people in the building uh, was where this started to turn. Bubonic Plague? Okay, I can buy that, especially in the world today. Dwight having symptoms pop up just after they discover it? Duh. Well, they did mention in the show that he'd been bit before. Uh, But even worse, the cure is on the roof the whole time. I know the helicopter crew likely introduced the virus. Therefore, it makes sense they have the cure, but good God. It just made the entire set of circumstances that preceded it become worthless. Oh shit, now the plague is there too? They have to morally cope with helping or condemning these people? Oh, never mind. The cure is right up on the top shelf. Anyways, I enjoy the way the episodes are catching up, us up group by group, reminding us that Ginny split the group by design, but I also look forward to the resolution of this angle and getting our group on the road to DC and that bridge explosion. I... I and I of course I respect anyone's opinion. Obviously, I do think the idea that the thing was up there the whole time that speaks to that speaks to some other ideas. I mean, not necessarily from a religious angle, but I do think there's something there as far as the thing that they were looking for has been there. The like that's I think that I feel like that's that's less of a oh that's a funny coincidence and more of a kind of it's the like Dorothy's ruby slippers. Yeah, that kind exactly that kind of thing as far as you know it. It being a part of you or it being there all along comes from earning it in a different way as opposed to some kind of plot-driven way. But again, Brad Jones is entitled to his opinion. Uh, Yukiyoshi Sawada also, also chimed in. Uh, five pockets full of posies out of five. 
D- don't have much to say other than it was a good episode. It was pretty straightforward, so no need uh, for a whole list. Wow. Uh, so I'm assuming Morgan and Al already met since she told the office cast they'll take him to a better place other than where Virginia is. And Morgan said he has Simone who can get him jam. Uh, Al and Dwight are super unsupervised, so meeting Morgan is much more easier than how he meets Daniel. Uh, oh, reminder, Janice is the guy who died on the bridge to save the camera's sister. Okay. <laughs> you may also forget such background character uh, characters as the rabbi, Sarah and her brother Wendell, the group of orphans that John and June probably adopted off Cream, uh, Louisiana. I almost forgot about her, too. Kempai. All right. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for chiming in. And thank you for all the forgotten characters, Yuki Yoshi. Yeah, because I did forget those characters. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and if you, too, would like to chime in with your Toby ratings, please do. As Russ said, Facebook.com slash WDTV podcast. Uh, by all means, we're happy to, we're happy to have them. Fantastic. One episode down, one to go. What, what now? Oh, yeah. On I'll, to beyond. I'll say this, because we're going to get into it. Whether it's because the goodness of this episode bled over, or just because I felt it was better, I was happier with World Beyond this week than I've been so far. Agreed. Agreed. I, I watched it I watched felt, World Beyond first, to be fair. It felt more consistent to me. To be fair. Than the other, than the other weeks of World be Beyond. There's a lot more to like about this, until today when I found out, oh, don't stop it when the credits start to roll. I mean that yeah, that part's stupid, but that, I mean that's that's not the really show's annoying. fault. <laughs> this isn't a film, and that's starting to get a little played out too. So, wow, I like books. I like the undead nerd in the locker. Yes, <laughs> they just left them there. Um, <clears throat> all right, so next up, we are going to talk about The Walking Dead: The World Beyond, Walking Dead: Colon World Beyond. Season 1, Episode 4, Wrong End of the Telescope. So, how'd your wife, how'd your kids? <laughs> um, so, at the beginning of this episode, the group, um, the four children and the two, uh, two-ish two adults, or two adult-ish people. Are they? Yeah, they all kind of look about the same age. Exactly. <laughs> You're pretty close. Are they the... I, I still, like... Okay. Again, it's the CW effect. Yeah, it is. You, you know what the deal is? I, I, I was watching this week's episode, and Here's I know we kind of bagged on Annette Mahendry's Huck mm-hmm. performance. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like she's in a 50s, like... Uh, that character's terrible. Like West Side Story or Grease or something. I like almost she, say, I was going to say The Outsiders. The Outsiders yeah. Are almost, yeah. Sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. It's like an 80s, like it's like an 80s she, character playing the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like hanging out with Ponyboy and Soda Pop. Like, I keep waiting for her to pull out her, you know, um, switchblade comb and, you know, like, yeah. you, you know, she just kind of has that weird swaggery kind of like, I, I don't know what, like. It, I don't know what they're going for. I don't know. I mean, there's been I know what they're going for. I just don't think it's it's still not working very it's well. It's not working. And I know you guys well. have said that she's a good, like she's good on this other. She was. Spin in, but 
my I don't know. Like at first I thought, is it the writing and all that, which it is, but it's gotta be the writing. Also, yeah, it's like, the writing and the directing. I mean, she's being she's, not, she's not selling the performance. She's just not. Like it feels like she is literally reading everything off the page. Like like she just got handed the script. And I, I hear you. What I'm what I'm saying is, I mean, a good actor can't save bad writing. So it's no. like there's, yeah. when when you know when as the the rest of us since we watch the show know. She can be. She's certainly capable of being a good actress. So it's. I. I'm not. I'm not getting sit here and think like, oh, it's her fault. It's. She's yeah. being told to do this certain thing, and it well, just the, the, the show re- around her is not coming together to make that work. This is the only reference for her acting I have, and so far I am very unimpressed with her. So. Man, you pick any two episodes of the of the Americans that she's in, and you'll be like, this does not even seem like the same person. Like, mm-hmm. it is. It is 180 degrees at a. a, a completely different performance so much so that we seem to remark on it every episode i know i know we just can't i can't get over it either it's our self-promotion of the americans currently available on prime yes i thought she was going to become wolf child this episode and i was happy yeah well they she had her very special skill for getting around wolves it's Walking around wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Very slowly. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe under her jacket, she's wearing one of those sweatshirts with a wolf yeah. picture on it. And that the gives three wolves. Power. The three wolves howling. Three, yeah, the yeah. three wolves. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, I promise next week I won't I won't harp on this. I just I had like a breakthrough in in my my association of her performance this week. So I thought I would share it. No, it's I, thought, it's terrible. I thought the most interesting part of the opening was when they went into the lower a little bit. They like went a little deeper into the background story with like the CR, the campus colony and Portland, the Alliance of the Three. Yeah. You know, kind of like because so far they've only kind of alluded to some of these things. You know, in the relation to one another, they really kind of spelled it out a little bit more here. The the wacky thing is that this episode also feels like a remake of the previous episode. Like you accomplish a lot of the same things this week. Yeah. And I'm like, much. what was the purpose of last week's show? Like, we're, the, the Silas stuff is handled better this week, and it doesn't yeah. have flashbacks with this Silas. Was a yeah. be- this was better than last week, so I, yeah. <laughs> but like the structure of it, like it's pretty much the same. Like, so it's like, what did we even? Why do we waste time? Like, I just. I just don't get it, but yeah. at least this is better. That's yes. my takeaway. So they I'm come across... really hoping to run into the zombified version of Sadie Hawkins or whoever it was that dance was named after, though. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so they, they, they come across a high school. They decide that a high school is a good place to go look for supplies and things. Uh, and stuff. And stuff. So they and they decide, of course, to split up. And so it's Huck and Hope. It's Iris and Silas. Like I, I was like, I was writing this out. I'm like, everything kind of like rhymes or anyway. Um, and then and, there's and, Tom and Huck from the other movie. Yes, yes. Um, and Felix and Elton. And so that that's how they they split. So is that like Brand Brangelina? It's like Silas and Iris would be Cyrus. Yes, yeah, Cyrus, Cyrus the virus, of course, from Connor. Cyrus, Iris, the the loving virus. Okay. And. The Felix and Alton team up makes sense because Huck and Felix kind of had a conversation earlier about how he's the one that seems a little like out of place as far as as the rest of them go and that he might be the wedge um, 
to You're the weakest link. Yes, you are the weakest Goodbye. link. Goodbye. <laughs> he might be the wedge to get to to convince the others to kind of come back around. So that's kind of where that, that pairing is coming from. Um we get a flashback. Um so the, the all these flashbacks are are told from uh Hope's perspective. And so uh we get this flashback to Hope um right before her dad uh was leaving and when we finally uh, get to meet her dad, this is the first time we've yeah. seen him, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we see, we actually see him. We, we confirm, I, I don't know if it's outright been said, but I think it's been kind of implied that both of them are adopted. Um, that Hope and Iris are, are both adopted. It's better explained in this than it has been in all yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Cause if it had been explained before, I do not remember them explaining it you before. You swear, I, I was sitting there going, is that her real, is that Hope's real, not Hope, um, Iris's real father, and then yeah. the adopted Hope. That's what I kept thinking. That's, I always thought one or the other of them were adopted, but to find out both of them—that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. They, he says like they, when they went to the agency, they were both in. Basically, they're both put in the same crib, and they were inseparable. And so I will they, say this: this scene would have been so much better in the first episode. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It would have given more of a. It would. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over. It's just um, I I think it would have given more of a like um like put more of a fine point on their on their quest. Yes. By putting a face to the dad and putting like a voice and everything to the dad instead of just like oh my dad my dad just hearing about him third hand. I totally agree, if Daryl. If this had happened earlier in the series, it would have had more of an impact. Have been like okay, we've seen that character. Kind of get that. You know, there's more of a there's more of a connection there. But we find out she's she's been in trouble uh, for making smoke bombs, and so they kind of have this. Again, we find out that Hope is she's not book smart, focused like Iris is, but she's very streetwise and smart in her own right. Like she 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 knows this stuff, um, and so they have this moment about the smoke bombs, and he asks her if she used a specific compound combination. She's like, "No, I used this and this," and he's like, "Well, that's not what I would have used, but that's pretty good." Um, so again, it's like, she's kind of like the, uh, you know, the screw up, but you know, she, she's like the smart kid that's like super bored in school. And so just like screws off because they're, they're just so bored. Don't the thing with that issue is if you had, let me see that scene in the first, I would get more of a sense that she's a smart, she's more of that. I mean, they kind of did it with the alcohol. Like they kind of, they kind of implied that, you know, where she, you know, made all that booze, but yeah, but it just, it was more about her being just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't think he did a great job of showing that she's so smart that she's bored. Like she's just, she's so much like her father in terms of being in his head all the time. Yeah. Like the made the way they had her play it, it was all so angsty and emotional. But if they had had it where, Oh, she's just so, smart that she's always constantly um in in her head about doing things you know like yeah building stuff and 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 still feeling like she wasn't smart enough because she couldn't get the attention of her father who was a genius right yep um i think i would have felt more for that character if i had gotten that from the first episode now i kind of get where she's coming from now but it took me a minute. I really couldn't hook into, and she's the only one I hooked into now because of this information. Yeah. The others, I still haven't really hooked into them yet. I'll, 
I'll put this. I, I like that the father was also kind of like imperfect. Like yes. he's he's certainly smart, obviously, but and he's he loves his children, but at the same time, he's also like a workaholic and all this stuff. Like I do, I like that it's not this. If we're gonna have to chase this guy for the next, you know, several episodes as we get to New York, I, I like that there's a face on him now, which yes, I do believe could have been more helpful to have more of that in the pilot, um, as opposed to teasing out breadcrumbs. But at least given this kind of knowledge, we. It doesn't just feel like a MacGuffin as a character. It feels like, okay, there's a person here and there's something to actually, like, you know, attach yourself to as far as what the ultimate goal is. And and it feels real and not just, like, this mythic character. Yeah. So after the flashback, we go to Felix and Elton, who are – they're looking for anything that will hold water. And Felix literally passes by a bottle with a lid on it that – as as they're looking for stuff. I was like, wait a minute. He just said something about holding something with water and he walked past this plastic bottle with a lid on it. Um anyway, but but yeah, they they if, Yeah, if it's just that easy then, you know. Yeah, we can cuz we kind of came across it's it's been raining outside. So what right. they're they're trying to collect water. Uh earlier in the episode, uh, I I guess I skipped past it, but um Silas and Elton found a couple trophies that were literal like trophy cups and so you know again they're copper or metal or whatever so they were going to use that so again they're just trying to collect as much water and and food as they can um so then we uh, as they're they're kind of walking around they see some blood trails um and they're convinced that there's something inside the school plus felix is totally trying to work on elton like you said trying to where, you know, chip away, oh, you could do all your sciencey stuff back home, you know, you don't have to be out here. Blah, blah, I, uh, I, I don't want to not like Felix, because I think he's, given what he, he's fine, like, I get what he's, his purpose is, but, like, because we, but we all know that going back home is a fool's errand, because mm-hmm. everyone's been burned yeah. alive, I mean, it's like. This guy needs to shut up. <laughs> it's like, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're already on our way yeah, to Omaha, just, like, yeah. let's just calm yeah. down. Like, let's just go to Omaha at this point. It might have been better for them to hold the the slaughter that happened, hold that back. So that we, as an audience, we don't necessarily, or, or at least allude to it in a way, you know, not make it so upfront. Like, we know that there's nothing to go back to. And, like, any, like... I honestly, like, I hear what you're saying. I don't, I honestly, I don't know what the proper answer is. Cause I just think that the, I think the pilot episode, if not the first two or three are so compromised by the fact that they had to reshoot it and like probably restructure things that I just don't know what the best way they could have handled this is at this point. But yeah, I, I don't disagree as far as something could have been done to make that feel more impactful. Cause it does, it's, it's registering enough to be like, well, we know this, but like, the impact of a bunch, like, what is it, like, thousands of people that got killed in well, there or something? I think, I think the, scene, the scene last week where the subordinate came and had the misgivings about the killing had more impact in mm-hmm. the emotion yeah. uh, than yeah. the actual killing of, like, thousands of people. Yeah, it was and just an some, afterthought. If something like that happens in your show, you're doing something wrong, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, um, yeah. it is that presentation of that at the end of the first episode where it's like, like even though like it was like a bit of whiplash because we're like wait what happened and then like we had to get confirmed after the fact that it was that many people right because you had to question it because yeah. you can't you can't show that scope just by giving you a quick like by the way this place burned down it's like nine thousand people like that doesn't it didn't jive so it's mm-hmm. like I I agree with Chubb as far as like yeah there could be a cool way to reveal that later on like now or whatever 
or you just do that better the first time. But as it stands, it just feels compromised. So I mean, I just, it's kind of like the same thing how we know Daryl and Carol are not going to die over the next two. Seasons. I was about to say, what? What did I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, there's a. I know, yeah, and as far as, like, a stakes thing, sure, it's kind of, we're already, we're ahead of the characters, I guess is the way to put it. And it's, yeah. it's that's causing a bit of a disruption as far as this guy who keeps negging others to be like, we gotta go back! And it's like, there's no drama there. <laughs> it's a total missed opportunity, I mean, it's a missed opportunity, there should be an impact. If you're gonna do something mm-hmm. that big, and have that make that big of a statement, it should have some sort of impact on the story. And... I think or, you know, some, and, and it should have an impact on the audience. Like, yeah. hey, this is a huge deal, and it just totally—it's a squandered opportunity in my because opinion. I because I feel like the only people that they spent any time with were the people that left. If you had kind of given us a little bit more of the town, the people in the town, and then did it in the second episode, like they could have did it as an opening in the second episode of, of murdering those people. But um, I think it would have had a little bit more of a, a sense of impact. And not only that, but oh. if they never, if they never go back, then what was the point of it yeah. to begin with, right? Right. Like, like if this if the season ended with them like going back and they come back and everything's like burnt to the ground, like there's something cool. It's like, oh man, that's a dark twist on the season. But as it stands, just like. Well, that thing happened, but it means nothing to us because the town we barely knew doesn't matter because we left it to be with the other characters we barely know. So it's a double-edged sword, right? Because if they mm-hmm. go back, then what was the point of this whole – like, right. say say we get two more episodes and they decide, screw this, we're going back, right? Because So then we're six episodes or seven episodes in, right? and they go back, then what's the point? Because eventually the, the purpose of this seems to be for them to get to their dad. So if they go all this way and they go back – for them to recognize that the place is burned down. Well, it's like, well, shoot, now we got no choice. Let's just go back again. Then it seems like everything in between was a complete waste. But yet if they never go back to the base or they don't go back anytime soon, then or for the, the town, then what was the point of, of obliterating it? Because there's no, like if, if a tree falls in the, in the forest, there's nobody here. Like what does, does it make a sound? Like what's the point? Because the, the, our main crew of characters are never going to know that that was done. <laughs> so, um, well, I make it, I think it kind of makes it so that we, either that guy that said he didn't agree with what they did eventually gets away or gets trapped or, or wherever they imprison him. And that is basically probably where they're going to run into to interact with him. Yeah, and then he'll be the one because he didn't want to do it. He'd be the one that would tell them what happened once they learn where they're from. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm kind of relitigating the the pilot, but to to me, if there's not a real compelling reason for why they did that, then it seems like that was really. A, no, a, they've got. I mean, it's got. It was be silly to do. Like they could have, right. if they were trying to prove that this group is evil. I think there's another way they could have done it that would have been a little more clever and maybe a little more sinister than just like, hey, we're just going to casually mention that we want you to think that this whole town burned down, even though we're just showing this little part of it. I I don't know. I I, I just got to be a point of something where they either kill wind up being in the in the right spot because you have the two warriors, right? The two warrior adults. They either wind up in the right 
spot to take out somebody important who is the super super evil person or they inspire something to change right but it's got to be that they run into but they have to run into somebody yeah, but to tell them that this town got burnt because they'd have to learn a new purpose, right? Well, they'll they get to, to Omaha and they'll probably they have to find something out there. That's my yeah, guess. they have to because then they have to get these kids are going to have to get hit with the right now. They think everything is fun, right? They think it's, it's all good. We're fine. We're all going to get home. You know that in the middle of this season, something has to happen where they find out the truth and then they realize we could really die. Like this is not, uh, a game where we're just going to be alive and find dad and then everything is going to work out like this is going to and then they kept like the lines they keep implying all the lines of we'll come back we're we're going to come out of this journey differently than when we when we went in right i could hear the voiceover going as they go through that change right um, but it just feels like they keep implying and then putting out the breadcrumbs that this is what's going to happen right that they're going to have to something dark is going to happen where we already know <laughs> they find out they, they're going to have to find out that everyone that they loved is dead just about their whole way of living is gone uh has to be something that ha- and it has to happen in the middle it's not i don't think they're going to wait until yeah it won't be a finale that'd be too no too much delay need more urgency beyond their walking again yeah. right i guess it, I'm i'm just curious about the payoff but Need yeah, to? we're yeah, we're all curious about the payoff. Yeah, let alone the like whatever Frankenstein lab they got going on on the other side of the thing. So yeah, yeah, that's got to be something too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh sure. Or like Rick's a cyborg now or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be cool. <laughs> all right, so back to back to the detour. Detour. We're back. We're back on track here. Um. Uh. They dancing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not. Not quite. Not yet. <laughs> It's, um, it's prom. It's prom time for Iris and Silas. Yeah, right? um, Felix tries to radio them, but they are in prom land. This yeah. Sadie must have been some girl. We get another flashback though, and and this time Hope is is just she thinks it's her fault that her dad's leaving because you know it starts with you know look I promise I'll be good I promise I won't you know keep screwing up and she thinks it's it's completely her fault and that if she wasn't such a screw up and keep getting into trouble that her dad wouldn't be so quick to want to leave. Um, and she has her reservations. And so he kind of reassures her and, you know, tells her how proud he is of her and how smart he thinks she is. And, you know, they, they just have the kind of this really good bonding moment, um, as he's leaving. And he tells her about the comm device and, and that he's rigged something up that will allow them, him to communicate with them. And he hasn't told anybody. He hasn't told, uh, the rest of the the city leaders, he hasn't told um, the, you know the the other folks. He's he's he said, well, I'll just keep it keep it a secret until I get back. So that way that they you know he's got this method of 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 contact, and he wants Felix in on it as well. And Hope is really kind of reluctant. She's like Felix, you know, just like she's not really happy about that. And her dad says, look, he's family too. So again, it's kind of reinforcing the fact that Felix is somebody that. Um, that their dad took in, uh, you know, uh, to, to their family, um, and has been a big part of their family. Um, I mean, we, and we've known that, like he, you know, Felix has mentioned that her dad was like a mentor to him and, and everything else. So, um, so that's where we get the, the origin of the, of the crazy dot matrix printer that, that runs in the closet. 
we also get there. There's a bit of a flashback. Is this when the walkers in the um, in the locker the the yeah yeah the, the where they where Felix and Elton come across the lo- the walker that's in the locker and Elton has this uh, kind of panic attack about being claustrophobic where he's obviously either somebody's told him to hide or somebody's hidden him mm-hmm. inside a box or something um, and there's obviously walkers on the outside um, and then uh, that's when Felix just says like eh, he's he's locked in here he's not getting out we'll just leave him in here and they just leave the uh, the walker in the closet and just keep on going. Sure. Then he shows him his tattoo. Yeah, man. <laughs> to remind me of everything I've lost, man. And, yeah. Because oh. I'm deep, man. Yeah. Because I got uh, angst. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, like, they cut from, the, like, this, you know, the Felix Allen part to Iris and Silas, right? They're trapped in the prom because of one... One walker, yeah. <laughs> One zombie traps them in the school gym. I'm like, the, the other thing Felix tries to do at this point is try and um, try and work Elton to steer the group back home. Like this is where he kind of starts to to kind of plant that seed um, to get him to do it. Um, and then they go into that one, what is it, that one room where they find all those... Nar- it was hard to see, I don't know, the, the, my, at least on my TV. Part of it is I had my lights on because I was, I was taking notes, so it, it was there was kind of a glare. But there were some gnarly-ass walkers in that room that they went into. It was like, was it, like, one of them was, like, splayed open and, like, like all over the floor. And it was, it was like, it, it was just kind of this gnarly scene. And, and yeah. I think even... Felix says, "Like, hey, the, the, you know, somebody did this. This wasn't just like uh, they. This wasn't natural. You know, this wasn't somebody that you know w- walked into a door or something." Yeah. You're not ready for this, Elton. Yeah, not not my favorite thing is the fact that the show doesn't resolve this in any way whatsoever. I, I, I feel yeah. like we could have gotten a little more than nothing at all <laughs> to like really yeah. this out a bit. Yeah, like, went from I, I get it you, here to yeah. Yeah, if you want to hide something, I, well, you know, like save a reveal, I get it, but you need something more than. I guess we're saying things could be possible, but who knows? Like, I need more than that. Like, the show needs to yeah. get, especially if there's only so many episodes. Like, I, you know, come on, like, get, throw us some, throw us some bones here. And if it was the the wolves, then I think they should have made it a little more clear that it was the wolves that just, you know, yeah. chewed them up or splayed them around or drug them off or whatever. But I don't think wolves did that. <laughs> no, it was no, I don't think so either. This was no boating accident. This was, this was no sure. boating accident. This was no wolfing accident. Uh, the tiger shark. <laughs> what? We could just do this all night now. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, so Silas finds a couple cans of actual soda, and uh, Iris mentions that she never had soda in a can before. I thought they were going to start doing it right there on the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah um but they start to open up to each other you know they start to yeah. now i want i want the other scene now i want the other scene yeah i just thought it was funny like you know iris is like oh i wish i could have gone to dances and blah 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 blah, blah. and she and silas is like you did you had all that shit, and I had none of that. Exactly. What are you, yeah. you been talking about, about you know? <laughs> they call yeah. me Freak. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was one Sloth from the Goonies, a movie I don't know because I'm way too old or young. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so then the, this is when Hope and Huck uh, come across. So, wolf or dog? Wolf. 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 Or, yeah, I was leaning wolf. Okay. CGI wolf. Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the part where they decide to get around the wolf. They just... <laughs> that's that bad as a Neil Breen movie, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I think they're they're thinking, oh, well, because that wolf is very protective of that doorway that there's, like, maybe it has some cubs or something in there, and it's it's protecting something specific. So as long as we don't act like we're being aggressive towards whatever that wolf is protecting, like, we could just, just slink on by. Good thing it wasn't hungry like the wolf. Oh. oh Thank wow. you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Enjoy the shrimp dinner. do, 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 do. do. <laughs> Um, so then we come back to Iris and Silas who are uh, in the gym. And then, yeah, this is when they have this whole bit about dancing and um, uh, we never found out what that song was that, uh, that Silas had on his little Walkman or whatever that Iris was listening to. All he said was, it was a favorite of his grandma's. So it was probably the shins that that song in garden. Space. <laughs> <laughs> will change your life. Uh I was thinking it was uh, more like uh, something like Exterminator by the Melvins, but you know. <laughs> I mean, he does like metal, so love by love by grandmas everywhere. And... Yeah, you know. It was it. probably it was, no. You know what it was? It was Easy Street. What are we talking about? <laughs> oh, there you go. That's the top Damn ten it. hit of the apocalypse. Yeah. I, I did like that cool video effect that they did, and they this was the second time they did it earlier in the uh, in the episode when they found the yearbook. Um, and it was it was cool because when they did it in the beginning of the episode, I was like, "Is the compression off on this video? Like, it, is it just like weirdly compressed?" Um, and then when they did it again, I'm like, "Oh no, this is just a for, for effect." And it was kind of a cool little. It was it was kind of like a pixelated like it, it almost had that like this thing was run through a '90s video toaster routine or something, you know, like like on a like on an Amiga or something. Um, I thought I thought it was a little little cool effect that they added to it. Um, but yeah, then they find out that they're basically stuck in this gym because there's one walker on the, uh, on the, the doors that open and the other doors are stuck. Um, and, uh, so Felix finally, Felix and Elton find them. Of course they come up to the door that's jammed and he's like, okay, we'll have to go around. And, uh, and so they, they, they start to, to go around to, to get to the other door. Uh, to get to the walker so they can get out. Um, and then Hope and Huck find some nasty food. It looked like what, like some jars of Jif peanut butter that have been around for 10 years and uh, some other food. And then they find a, a walker in in that room as well where the, where the food was. Um, so at this point, Silas and Iris decide they need to get out. They need to get past that walker because I guess that walker, that walker's being uh being pretty aggressive. So um, they're able to get out past the walkers. They hear the wolf. Um, and as they're kind of making their escape out of the gym, uh, Silas actually finds a flare and sets it off, uh, which of course they, they then get ambushed by a bunch of walkers. They're able to escape. They get cornered again. And they're kind of in a spot now where they have to, they have to actually fight these walkers. And, um, um, but Silas, he he swings the the wrench and then drops it and he just goes berserk and this is where he starts flashing back to where he's beating up um i guess it, it later on we find out that it was his 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 own father that he he 
he killed. Um, but he just starts punching this Walker and just starts just punch, just, just going crazy on it. Um, and then finally the rest of the crew comes up to, to help him out and they, they pull Silas off and, um, and that, that one scene, like we were saying earlier, conveyed pretty much everything they tried to convey about Silas in the yeah, last episode. Exactly. Yeah. Just that one scene. Yeah. Um, and then when everything kind of calms down, him and him and Iris kind of have another moment again, and you know she tries. I to, killed my daddy. Yeah, and she he asked. Well, yeah, he asked her. He's like, "Do you believe what they said? Do you think I really killed my dad?" I killed them all, the children and the children. Yeah. Um, and Iris doesn't really respond to him. She basically right. says, "Like, hey, what matters is like what you know, basically what we are now, not not what we were back back yeah. then." And that's how we got Darth Vader. Yeah. Given his, yeah. <laughs> Given his age, are they implying that whatever Silas did, he did after the apocalypse? I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not having a I, great time tracking all this, honestly. Because yeah, he doesn't look young enough, right? Sense. Like, but at really least good. now we know what he did. Yeah, they gave they gave hope a wig. They couldn't do something with Silas to make him look younger or something. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, because it's obviously it's been ten years, and so, but they they. they Kind of show him like he was arrested, right? Like they had cuffs on him, and yeah, they do show him. But I, mean, I was like really confused. I'm like, okay, so did this happen after or before? Because if it happened before, he should have been like seven. Um, right. Yeah, yeah that if he's like 25. That's why I think it had to have been after the fall. But at the same time, at least now we know it was. At least the impression I get was he had an abusive father, and then he fought back one time, and his rage couldn't. Yeah. At least and, that's the impression I get. But at the same time, let's just drag out this thing that better pay off. Well, and given that he asks, Iris, like, do you believe what they say about me that I killed my father? Well, obviously, if he did this pre-apocalypse, like, nobody would know. Like, who the hell would know that he killed but then they? But then they do the thing of the, the people in the group saying, talking about what he did and letting him in the... Like, how would they know unless it was after the, right. the fall? Because yeah. they let him into the safety of the uh, the place. Yeah, I, I guess, again, I mean, we've kind of talked about it, but I don't know why they're being so secretive and dragging this out. Yeah, like, this no, doesn't it, seem it, to be that big of a deal. It obviously feels like if he did kill his father, it's because he was, like, a terrible piece of shit and not just because, right. like, this like, kid is just literally a psychopath. Um, like, how so, many times does he have to defend people to... yeah. Yeah, I didn't, he didn't need all that. And I, and I don't want to, like, I, I know I sound like a broken record because I said this last week or whatever, but this is the same formula used on the CW shows. Yes, yes. It really is. Like, they'll have, like, this uh, long-held secret that's hold, you know, is held over one character's head, and they'll drag it out way too long on the payoff. Yeah, and, and they'll be like, that's it? On this. Like, and they that's should the... know we're all the Flash. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah, there's a good example yeah. there. Yeah. All right, so that's that's that. Um, and so at the end of the episode, Elton decides he's going to take a year. He basically takes a yearbook picture. So he gets sure. them all, you know, huddled around and takes a picture. And I think it's even Felix that, or maybe it's Huck that says like, "Hey, I thought you just took nature pictures or pictures of you know things going on in the environment." What, you know, and I forget what his response was, but it's basically just like, "Yeah, you know, you're right. I do, but this, you know, this is something special." So takes a picture of the group. And that's where the episode ends, and nothing else happens 
it, it's just so. it just stops and you know it's they roll so. credits and you know filmed and then, in and then, filmed in and then Georgia. Samuel Jackson walks in and says, "I want to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, for we some... sounded, sir. It's in Arizona. Oh no, wait. I'm sorry. Uh, wrong after credit wow. scene. I'm getting yeah. them all confused now. Yes. Um. Uh, Spider Man is really Peter Parker. Um. Uh, and Aaron, I, and Aaron, I'm totally with you. We should not have X after credit scenes in nope. TV shows. It's like not. it was like after all after the like it wasn't even like you know right before the credits start or like after the first couple. It was after or like, finale. The next, it was after the next time on preview. It's like by the way, yeah. here's another scene of the show. Like what? Or even if it's like a finale, right? Like okay, you know you're just trying to put you know kind of tease what's coming next, you know because you're not going to be on for a long time. But this just seemed weird. So the it knocked the, the big mo off of my rating. Yeah. So the, the, so the deal is we get, um, we're in some sort of facility. There's what appears to be a walker who's got a number and he's, um, he's kind of strapped in and there's a voiceover. We hear some lady just casually eating a sandwich, um, and talking about how they measured what was it? They measured his, um, spinal fluid pre infection or and then post mortem and stuff like they're they're doing some comparisons of like um you know bodily fluid scans you know vitals all this other kind of stuff prior to death and then like as the process matures up until the point where you're animated post death we don't know why we don't know what's going on there's a bunch of these people that are strapped into these things that would have these numbers and then when we pan over to the to the lady that's doing the scientist that's that's obviously recording these statistics, we see there's a picture on her desk that has um, Hope and Iris's dad. It has this lady here, and lo and behold, it has the man that was in strapped into the to the gurney uh, that they were experimenting on just a few minutes ago. So, did you notice that his, his number started with an A? Uh, I guess I didn't. Well, I mean, I, I, I guess I think time. now I have an understanding of what the A's and B's are. Oh, maybe. I think A's mm -hmm. are alpha, as in first unit, as in this is who goes in. These are the the cannon fodder, if you will, and it's who they're experimenting on. And the B are the savable; they're the actual human soldiers. Is Good my point. guess on this? And then once somebody becomes a zombie, then they become an A. Gotcha. So it's 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 a little strange because, um, you remember, Cadis was trying to get walkers to bite like Gabriel and all of them. She was turning them into A's, is what I think she was doing. Yeah, could could be. I mean, I guess that yeah, that that's that's a solid theory. I, I mean, obviously, I guess this will play out over the. Hopefully, this will play out over the over the show, but. What's what's not clear is why if he was part of the scientists that was part of their group why is he now there did he turn against them you know is is hope in Iris's father in you know the next bin like what's going on like um you know obviously they're they're part of a, a scientific group that's that's in charge of doing some study here so um more to come hopefully but it was just an odd way to to deal with uh with with showing the scene so. All right, so we will get into our big mo's. So Aaron Newworth, I know um, we're we're approaching our 
uh, max time limit for this episode. So why don't you go first? I'm sorry. My bad. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize I was on you. Uh, yeah, I, I do have to get going right after I uh, get my rating here, but I will say that this was a stronger episode of The World Beyond. Um, it's, I guess, by default the best so far, just because it felt a little more focused, even if I still had various gripes with the things happening. But I like the... There was an overall energy to this one that kind of worked in its favor, I would say, and it gave us a little more progress, even if there's still stuff that could have been handled better. So, I, I don't know. Like, I like three big mo's out of out of five. It, it's it's good enough. It It does more of what I'd hope for as opposed to much less, which is what I've gotten a lot so far in this show. Excellent. Yeah. So with that guys, I, I'm sort of, fortunately I got to say uh, I'm, I'm out of here, but I will uh, talk to you all next week and uh, yeah, have a, have a good rest of the week. We'll catch you next week. Bye. All right, Jim, how many big bows? Who me? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I've just tried found it very kind of mediocre. There was some, it was uh, funny to see the wolf. I thought, um, I don't know. I get, I give it a two point five, just mm. average, you know. Mister Taylor, Mister Mister Doctor Current, Doctor Current, Doctor Current is very sad. That uh, this episode is just it's just a little better. I just, I just want the show to be better. Just want to like we it. all do, man. I mean, we're watching it. Yeah, I just want to like show, it. Best show possible. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a again, it is a little better uh, than the other episodes. We again, it's just annoying how they do the little bread breadcrumbs for um, you know for information with the secrets because the secrets are just not that important, like yeah. big enough that it's worth. Just drag them out like the way they're doing it. Um, I, again, it's still I want I just want a little more of the characters. And I'm still trying to to really dig into who who these characters are. Um, it, it was I, I give it a, a, a two out of five mos. Two big, big mos. Chubs, how many big mos? Um, well, I actually, I, I thought that there was a lot more that worked this week, especially over last week, um, but it's still very disjointed. I still am not that invested yet, um, and I, I at this point, I don't know, that end credit scene, which I didn't see till uh, just a little while ago, um, kind of, kind of... M- made it a little bit more interesting, but at the same time, that post-credits, having that not knowing about it or anything like that, if it weren't for just the fact I happened to catch it on Reddit that there was one, I was like, oh. Um, yeah, that 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 was annoying. Television does not need to have post-credit scenes. It's, what What is this, the MCU? I, I don't like it. Um, and Overall, I was I was going to give this episode a three and a half big most, but that that production bullshit there, that's not. It's two and a half. No wow. credit scenes. That that is just not something for television. Uh, I'll give it three and a half. Uh, I I thought this was uh, again probably the best episode so far of the season. Uh, it gives me hope, no pun intended, that things could get better from here um and i guess we'll just see i mean the post-credit scene it didn't affect my enjoyment of the actual episode i just thought it was kind of a silly thing to 
um, to do, but I mean, I'm, I'm not going to ding it for for it. Um, but that's just I me. You, I know you hope it'll get better, but <laughs> lately I just don't give a huck. <laughs> nice. Well played, sir. All right. So, how many big mo's did the audience give? Well, we only got really one uh, mo rating. Uh, we have Aaron Newworth, some young whippersnapper writing in about how we need to stop with the post-credit scenes on TV shows. <laughs> and then some curmudgeon named Richard Sheldon backed him up. So, yeah, whatever. Oh. But Yukiyoshi Sawada did write in with a big mo rating of three stormy times at Wolf Mount High out of five. Nice. nice. Uh, better episode than last week. We learned more about Burner family in the first flashback than we did with Silas and the flashback combined. Uh, two, so Hope and Iris are adopted. Okay, good to know. Three, I hope Felix isn't going to be a barking dog about going back the whole season. Agreed. Four, dude, glad you got your first empty kill, but next time use a weapon, not your fist. That's why. That's where they like to bite. Five, good on Elton asking what Felix's plan is to go back. It shows he's a boy of calculation and logic, not Simone who can be easily manipulated. Uh, six, did the post-credits surprise anyone else? As for the con- con- as for what they contain, I guess I felt it odd that A is those infected and B is those they're able to use. Should be opposite, I think, but I guess it depends on priority for them. I guess they're still trying to find a cure. Seven, remember Edwin Jenner? Maybe the CR is in France. <laughs> Eight, happy Halloween, everyone. May the week be the most spooky for you all. And off to watch Annabelle for the first time. Kampai. Thank you, Yukiyoshi, for writing in. I appreciate that. And please write in with your big mo's as well as your Tobies, as I said earlier. Wow, more big mo's. Yeah. Not enough that, big mo's. Was that like one big mo? I just like saying big mo. Where's, where's the bowling ball? All right. Well, that'll about do it um, for this supersized episode. I guess we'll have a few more of these. Um, man, this is odd having two episodes per show. Yeah. Um, consistently. Usually, you know, we only get that for premiere and um, and finale time. But, uh, but this is going to be the way it is. Um, so we appreciate everybody for hanging out there. Think of all that overtime we could put in for. Yes. Yes, Come on. that's true. That's true. DC TV podcast. We followed five shows a week, boy. <laughs> and five, we liked it. Sometimes six. And we liked it. Um, yeah, so, but speaking yeah, of following, right. um, you can follow Mr. Aaron Newworth, who we had to cut out a little early. Um, you can see his his um, video and, and Blu-ray reviews over at Why So Blue. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Um, and then see his TV reviews at We Live Entertainment when he is uh, reviewing uh, current shows, um, like The Walking Dead, um, when he's when the when the main show comes back. So definitely check out Mr. Newworth as well as his podcast Out Now with Aaron and Abe, where they talk about the uh, recent movies and releases, which in the COVID times has been a little challenging, but they've been digging into a lot of cool stuff over at uh, at Out Now. So definitely check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then me, you could just, you know, HHWLOD, just hang out here um, on this podcast, as well as um, Gotham by Geeks uh, over at Mr. Taylor's network. Um, Jim Dietz, where can people follow you and find your stuff? 
Nobody can find me. I'm the wind, baby. <laughs> no. Uh, com every week. Uh, nothing's on. It's uh, me and Daryl, uh, Dr. Current. Yes. And uh, Donnie Salvo, Dr. Somewhat Current. Um, <laughs> following the TV and entertainment news, the news that doesn't matter, really. Uh, we have a lot of fun talking about it. We read a lot of emails. We talk about what we've watched. It's a really fun show every week. Check yeah. that out. Also, you can check me out on The Brandon Peters Show, thebrandonpetersshow.com, also available iTunes, Amazon, everywhere else. Find podcasting can be found. I've been doing a weekly segment on there called The Old Space Show, where we're going uh, episode by episode uh, through Space 1999, <laughs> which has been really fun. Uh, that is a fun show. Uh, we just recorded an episode with uh, Peter Cushing, Peter Cushing as uh, the uh, guest star, so that was interesting. Uh, but check that out, The Brandon Peters Show, every week. And, uh, you know, Yodi Jones on the Twitter and, you know, Dr. Current on Twitter, too. So I, was, I follow Dr. Current for everything current. Of course. Dr. Current, speaking of which, where can people follow you and find your stuff? Uh, you can uh, follow me on The Voice 123. I'm on Twitter. And uh, you can uh, follow the Taylor Network feed that is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, all those cool places, uh, and uh, hear about the other uh, podcasts as well as the, the ones that were mentioned that have uh, Russ and Jim on them. So do that. Mr. Chub Toad. I'm on all the socials at Chub Toad 01. Fantastic. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode. We will be back next week. Uh, to continue the Walking Dead saga of fear and world beyond. So, until there's no more room in hell and the dead walk the earth, go get yourself some Cipro. Watching the bubbles in the beer, the vision of someone who loves me brings a lone silent tear to my
commercials in japan for this like long taffy uh-uh. right it has the girl on a date with a guy and they're like ha and he takes out some taffy and it's just like this little short piece of taffy and she like looks and kind of like gives him a half smile and then she looks out the corner of her eye there's this guy off to the side with like a mustache his hair is all you know good and everything but his taffy is like you know three feet long <laughs> it's not tommy lee jones is it no, no, it's it's uh, look at it's long, long man. Uh, look up on YouTube the Japanese commercial, but long, long man, and like the <laughs> girl is like, oh, he's long. <laughs> did you ever speak? Did you ever see those Boss Coffee commercials that Tommy Lee? Oh Jones yeah, did? totally. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's crazy man. He's been doing it for like what, like twenty years or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't really do commercials here. But no, that's like, what's so oh, hilarious. Boss Coffee over there. Yeah. It's so, they're so funny. Which is funny because in Yakuza, there's like a Boss Coffee uh, vending machine. So every, every time I go up to that vending machine in in, uh, in Yakuza, I just think of Tommy Lee Jones. That's uh, insane. All right, let me pass out. Yeah, I'm going to bail out here too. All right, Doc. All right, hey guys, take it easy.
I remember a talk about North Carolina in a strange, strange park. You see, the sides were like glass in the thick of a forest without a road. And if any man's hand ever made that land, then I think it would have shown. Seems like a dream God can be hypnotized And I know that's right Nothing. God, we hit the time. 